it's time once again for another episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio, broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Emily Rowell. Good morning, and thank you for tuning in this morning. This is Emily Rowell with Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I'm your host, and I'm also with Peachtree Offices. I am so excited to be here this morning. I've got a great group of guests here with me, and I can't wait to discuss all these wonderful topics. And good morning, Desmond Humphrey. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. We've got you back. I'm happy to be back. And you will be talking about today? I'll be talking about DUI law. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's exciting. And we also have Tanya Nebo. Good morning with the Nebo Law Firm. Yes, ma'am. And what would you like to discuss this morning? We will be talking this morning about getting your business in order in 2016. Fantastic. What a good time of year to talk about that. That's right. (laughs) Right at the beginning. Yes. (laughs) And we have David May with Princenthal and May. Thank you for coming this morning. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what you do and what you'll be discussing this morning. Well, I am a workers' compensation attorney. I head up the division of our firm doing workers' comp. We have offices in Sandy Springs and in LaGrange, Georgia, and that's what I'm going to be talking about. All right. We're going to find out a lot of interesting things this morning. And I definitely don't want to forget my sponsors. We have 3A Law Practice Management. They help attorneys start and grow their practice. And we have Peachtree Offices who help attorneys establish their practice all over the Atlanta area. And we have Atlanta's own John Marshall Law School. And last but not least... We have Craig Williams this morning. Oh, my Good goodness. Save the best Channel. for last? Of course. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to be co-hosting this morning, and we have Rich also here in the background uh, doing the productions and social media. One day I'll be in the foreground for an extra dollar fifty. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, a great lineup in the studio this morning, so let's get underway and um, uh, talk law. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to start with Desmond Humphrey. I'm so excited to have you back this morning. And he is with Humphrey Law and Associates, LLC. He does criminal defense, and he's going to focus on DUIs uh, this morning. He is the owner and principal attorney of Humphrey Law and Associates, LLC, and his firm specializes in DUI and criminal defense law. He has had great success defending individuals charged with DUI and serious felony offenses. Before we start, I would like to find out more about you. How did you get started into law? Okay, so when I first started, I came on this show uh, That's right. trying to get my <laughs> practice out, and it worked. Fantastic. So now um, I have been extremely successful defending DUIs uh-huh. and other serious felony offenses, um, partly because of Atlanta Legal Experts. Oh, wonderful. And I didn't even ask him to do that. Wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty generous. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was extremely helpful. Good, good. That's so fantastic. I'm happy to be back. So tell me, we'll, we'll, we had we just went through the holiday season, mm-hmm. and we had a lot of people partying. Exactly. And I'm sure we had, especially for New Year's, uh, we had a lot of people stopped on the road. Exactly. So tell me, what do you do? Tell me the first thing you do if you're ever stopped and pulled over. Okay, first off, you shouldn't drink and drive. Okay. There you go. That's a good point. Yes. <laughs> However, if you find yourself pulled over and the officer asks you, have you been drinking? At that time, you can say, officer, I don't want to answer any more questions. Okay. Seeing how individuals don't do that mm-hmm. 
if they ask you to get out the vehicle, more than likely you are going to get arrested. Okay? The wow. next thing they would do is they would say, I smell the odor of alcohol. Where are you coming from? And most of my clients say, well, I'm coming from the gold room, which is a club. <laughs> okay? right. So that immediately triggers the officer's mind to start to check for DUI. Mm. Okay? So the way that you can handle this is they'll say, hey, I want you to perform a few tests for me. You can deny these tests. Hmm. You can absolutely say Is it recommended no. to say no? Ex ex absolutely, it's recommended to say no. And why is that? Because um, the Fourth Amendment protects you from unreasonable searches and seizures, okay? The okay. only way that you can give up that right is if you consent to the search. So here the officer is investigating to get evidence to use against you to prosecute you. Okay. So it's wise to not give him any evidence that can be used against you at a later date. Right. Now, if okay, I had a situation a long time ago, and I was actually the designated driver. Okay. So I knew I hadn't been drinking. Right. And so I told him that, and it didn't matter. He asked me to get out of the car, mm -hmm. and then he asked me to take a breathalyzer. Of course, I didn't breathe anything. Mm -hmm. um, is there cases where people are innocent and they don't, they still can try to convict you? Absolutely. You have individuals, for example, I've had clients that have been in clubs and things like that where they have alcohol spilled on them. Mm -hmm. And it's about 3 in the morning, okay? Mm -hmm. And they may make a simple mistake or be lost, not familiar with the Atlanta area, mm -hmm. and may perhaps fail to, fail to maintain their lane mm -hmm. or may turn right on a stop sign that isn't supposed to turn right at the light or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they are pulled over. And because their eyes are red, because in most in the of morning. these clubs, it's mm -hmm. 3 in the morning. Mm -hmm. People are smoking in these clubs, okay? Mm -hmm. They smell like they may have been partaking. The officer starts to go through his investigation. Mm -hmm. And then, boom, they're nailed with DUI. Even if you take the breath test and you don't come back with any alcohol in your system, mm -hmm. they'll try to charge you with DUI less safe. They'll try to charge mm -hmm. you with something. Mm. Well, then I got lucky because I got, you know, because I didn't blow anything, he let me go. Okay, yeah, you did. Get yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the fact, like he said, before, because you got out of the car and you didn't didn't reply with that first, no. um, yeah, I don't want to ask. Know. I didn't yeah. Know, yeah. know any better. Yeah. Yeah. Because I knew I was innocent, and I was like. Yeah, so I'm going to prove to them. Yeah. Let me see that thing. Let me blow into that thing. I can wait. It. Good, good. <laughs> but, yeah, so how accurate are these tests, Oh the, man. especially the breathalyzer So tests. this has been argued up. Uh, in the Supreme Court, I mean everywhere. It's a million-dollar question. It is. And I don't believe that something that is supposed to um, check your blood, okay, mm -hmm. they are using to check your breath. It doesn't make sense, okay? They check mm -hmm. your breath to find out what's in your blood, BAC level, okay? That's, wow. So that really makes sense. I don't believe that it's extremely accurate, but this is the best science and technology that we have right now for officers to be able to you know, try to protect the community. Mm -hmm. So, but I argue, hey, don't take the test. Then right. we can rely on the officer's training to see if he investigated correctly. What about those physical tests they ask you to do, like touching your nose and walking a line and all that? Oh, geez. Um, might as well go to the NFL combine, <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, most of the Start people dancing. that I know are athletic. They can't even perform the test sure. accurately. Right. Okay, but I believe um, during my practice, I see that they uh, generally look at your eyes. 
mm. by this thing called HGN. Mm. And that's what oh, they yeah, hang the their hat on. Oh, yeah, the follow the pen thing. Exactly. Yeah. So everything else, that's what they tend to hang their hat on is HGN. Now, and this is all based on their discretion. It is. Is that right? The officer's discretion and training. Now, there's some great officers who take DUI investigation classes mm -hmm. and things like that to be trained to spot it. But most of the officers that pull you over have no idea. They're just smelling alcohol and trying to see if you stumble or fall. So should you ask them, have they had their training? <laughs> Are they certified yet before, <laughs> if you're going to do this? I would recommend you say little as possible. Gotcha. Nothing. Got it. So um, ask, let me ask you this. Do I lose my license if I refuse to take any tests or answer any questions? Wow. See, if you refuse the breath test by way of Georgia implied consent, you will lose your license. Okay. Now, there's a way that I can fight for them in a hearing called ALS hearing, okay. administrative license suspension. Okay. At that hearing, I can argue that there was no probable cause for you to be stopped and okay. try to say, hey, judge, she didn't even have to take the test because there was no probable cause for her to be pulled over. Okay. Right. Or arrested for DUI. Okay. Here's what people don't tell you. Also, if you take the test and you blow over the legal limit, mm -hmm. you lose your license as well. The okay. only difference is is you'll get a temporary driver's permit if you do that. Mm. So uh, the officers will lead you to believe that if you don't blow, you'll lose your license. But if you do blow and you blow over the legal lose. limit, you lose your license. But you can actually get a permit at that point. You can get a temporary driver's permit if you actually take the test, but you'll lose your physical gotcha. driver's license. That sounds so backwards to me, doesn't uh, it? Well, that's <laughs> why I'm in bed by 10. <laughs> yeah. I'm in yeah. bed by 10. I'm 100. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely there. Yeah. In bed by 10. <laughs> well, this is so interesting to me. And I, if, if you wouldn't mind, without obviously naming names, but can you tell me, like, one of your favorite cases? Oh, man, yes. So I had a client who... Okay, he was driving on Peachtree Street, and, of course, it was nighttime. He had just left the club, and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, okay? This guy is raining, so this guy says that he thought that he seen a, a dog or something run out in the middle of his car. So he swerves, hits a pole, flips, I mean, everything, Whoa. okay? Officer comes onto the stand, I mean, comes onto the scene, mm -hmm. and immediately starts to give him field sobriety tests. He doesn't call 911. Oh he doesn't say anything. After he flipped his car. After he flipped mm. his car and everything. Jeez. He says, um, I smell alcohol. Can you perform some tests? At this point, my client is in the daze. He agrees to everything. Oh, gosh. And I mean, it was terrible. It's a nightmare. Nightmare. Make a long story short, the case got dismissed, okay, because my client wasn't under influence, and the officer came already believing that my client was under influence was because he smelled mm -hmm alcohol mm. right okay right. and the smell of alcohol actually came from my client had bought some beers there was not opened or anything right. it was in a bag when he wrecked the beers opened up gotcha wow so that's my most memorable case yeah getting dismissed talk about mm. bad situation bad <laughs> <laughs> yeah so listen desmond i'm so excited to have you back and Thank i'm glad you. that you helped i think you probably helped at least one person just by tell, telling everybody about I it i hope so um, and you have a mission to do that. I do. And I remember the last time we talked on the radio, you were talking about your ministry as well. And exactly. how you always believe that somebody, everybody has a second chance. Exactly. 
Okay, what about those third chances and fourth chances? Oh. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a those, real good one. Those come with consequences, but I believe you deserve those as well. You know, but Absolutely. you can have a little bit more consequence when you know sure. better. You should do better. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you'll listen, if you'll tell our listeners how they can reach you, please. Okay. Well, you can reach me at uh, yourhlawattorney.com is my website. I have a lovely office here at Peachtree Center, Lenox mm-hmm. Center, and um, you can come by, give me a call. I'm on Instagram um, at, at Humphrey Law on Instagram, so you can follow me there as well. Awesome. Yeah, you're all over social media. I am. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for listening to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell, with Peachtree Offices, and we also have 3A Law Practice Management and Atlanta's own John Marshall Law School as our sponsors today. And you can see all of their information on atlantalegalexperts.com. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm still getting over that that first question. I think that that was very important because, I mean, whether it's 3 o'clock or if it's if you're not used to being out, you're you're pretty much at a place where you're not coherent as, exactly. as usual. And I think, I mean, I'm not going to be <clears throat> you being the designated driver. And you know, mm-hmm. I, there's been times when I was too tired and oh, I yeah. didn't want to pull over. I'm trying to get home, and you right. do you don't do the the best you, you don't make the best decisions. So exactly. I'm still stuck on that and how powerful that is. Um, with or without on, alcohol, you know. Yeah, I'm stuck on people being driving at four in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's just foreign to I mean, maybe happened twice in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. The only time, time I'm driving that that late is if I'm driving across country or something. Right, and right. Yeah. Anyway, didn't mean to get into all that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> good morning, Tanya. Good morning. Thank you so much for being here bright and early, speaking of. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Good. So Tanya Nebo is with Nebo Law Firm, and she is an attorney and business consultant who provides legal expertise and counsel to those who buy, sell, and operate small businesses and franchises. As the managing partner of the Nebo Law Firm, LLC, Tanya's practice focuses on serving small business owners in areas of law that include corporate, franchise, and commercial real estate. She provides legal services to a range of different entities, including companies and individuals, in the entertainment, medical, construction, and real estate investment industries. Born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, Tanya is a graduate of Columbia University in New York City and the University of Virginia School of Law, and she is passionate about being a resource for entrepreneurs who want to create wealth and legacy through business ownership. So how did you get to that area of law? You know, it actually is kind of in my my blood. You know, small business people are my people. I I grew up in a small business. My parents uh, owned beauty (coughs) supply stores, still do, uh, in, in Minnesota, and I grew up working in those stores, and I grew up seeing how um, small businesses operate, and mm-hmm. I was a part of that. And I just, I, I really have a passion for people who, who have a dream, and, and they, they go after it, and they make it grow, and then they have something to either, you know, maybe ultimately sell or to mm-hmm. uh, pass on Provide. to their children or, you know, mm-hmm. wh- whatever it is that they choose to do with it. So it's close to my heart because it is part, it's been a huge part of my life for so long. I love so. that. It's natural. Definitely a pro-business attorney there. That's right. Yeah, 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 That's yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Pro-business. You had to do that plug. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Perfect. So tell me, the first thing on your list here is get your business in order. Get your stuff together. Get it together. Get it together. <laughs> this is the time. And, you know, this we all get excited around the new year, and we mm-hmm. make decisions and, and say we're going to do this and we want to do that. And I, and I think that it's important for business owners to 
you know, also have that mindset and say, okay, what do I need to do this year in order to further my business? Um, so to protect my business, mm-hmm. to protect the assets that I've built, either in the business or outside of the business, what what do I need to do to to go ahead and, and do so that? What do they need to do? Well, <laughs> I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> um, it, it really starts by evaluating, um, taking a look at what where your business is and where you want to go with it. Um, you know, what I find is that the part, we, we business owners spend so much time working in their business and not enough time working on, on the business. business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's the working on the business, that the, that's usually the part that helps you protect it the most and help, help you allow it to grow. So one thing that I, I suggest that people do is, first of all, make sure that you that your business is literally in order. Like you, you may have set it up with the Secretary of State at some point, but people forget to pay their annual fees. Mm. And it's easy to do. You know, you, you get an email from the Secretary of State and it says, oh, it's time to renew. And people, it, it, it just sometimes it can go to the wayside if you don't mm-hmm. have a, a strategy in place to make sure that you keep up with those things. So making sure that the entity is active and um, properly registered and continues to be registered. I know it sounds basic, but you'd be surprised. I've actually heard. I mean, (laughs) I've had a client that was with us for 15 years, and I think he registered with the city and not the state, I want to say. I can't remember. He did one or the other, and he thought he was all good just doing one, and then realized 15 years later. Not good. Not good. And he was going to sell it. And right now has to pay all these back fees to actually get and penalties properly, and exactly. yeah, with interest, right, to yeah. get properly registered. And that happens. People people have come to me ready to sell property. Let's say, um, mm-hmm. actually, not let's say. That's that's what happens. That you mm-hmm. know, say I want to sell this property. The property is in the business in the business's name. Well, you know, I do my due diligence, what I'm supposed to do, and find out that the, the business has been administratively dissolved or was administratively dissolved by the Secretary of State. So a business that wow. technically doesn't exist can't exactly sell property, right? Right. Mm. right. So then there's a little cleanup we have to do, and, and that's that's what I do. We, we'll clean it up and we'll get it right. But you want to have these things in order. Got it. Yes. So tell me, um, what you see um, business owners, um, what is the biggest risk if they don't have their business affairs in order? Uh, one one big risk is uh, putting your limited liability protection at risk. And, um, you know, we, we set up, I think people sometimes set up businesses thinking that that's just what you're supposed to do, not realizing that the purpose of doing that, or one of the key purposes for doing that is to make sure that you're protecting your personal, your you're protecting your personal assets mm-hmm. um, and limiting any liability that the business may incur to just the business assets. But what a lot of small business owners do, because, you know, there's a lot going on when you're running a small business, is they start to mix the business with their personal and don't treat the entity like it's as, as separate from them as an individual. Mm. And that's where you risk everything. You mm. risk yes. not only what the business has to offer, but also your your home and your cars and your your what's in your personal bank account. So it's important that's to uh, make sure that you are actually running the business as you know, a separate separate entity. entity. Yes. So, so you yes. can't keep the children, right? right? Well, well, if you want to. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. <laughs> we love the kids, right? You don't have to. <laughs> but if you want to. So if you want to grow, you were talking about some different things in 2016. What could they do to grow in 2016? 
think outside the box, you know. Um, one of the, uh, I won't say easiest, but uh, one way that a, a business can grow is by acquiring another, you know, acquiring mm -hmm. another or, um, or franchising their own model, franchising or licensing their own model. Uh, so it's, it's not just a matter of saying, okay, I'm going to go ahead and add a new location, for example, to, to your portfolio. You mm -hmm. might say, you know, I want to, there's, there's a complementary business or a competitive, uh, competing business that maybe, maybe we can work together or maybe we can merge, maybe I can acquire that business. And that's immediate, that can be immediate growth. So mm -hmm. it's really about thinking outside the box and, and about what might work. Your individual when you situation. say uh, acquire another company, uh, are there any other ways? Can you partner with another company or maybe sponsor another company and that helps expand uh, your business the same way? Or Yes, and that's a great, a great idea. Sometimes a, a joint venture is a great way to go. Let's say there's some big contract, um, some, some perhaps a government contract that would be a great opportunity for your firm, but maybe more than you can afford to acquire yeah, and then handle on your own right yeah. so you can joint venture with another company um, who has complementary services or products and go after that together gotcha without losing the uh you know losing your own company as gotcha, an gotcha. individual company you know okay. yeah i mean when you mentioned in the beginning you work on your business not in your business and that's so true and this is a great time of year to really focus outside just for a little bit you know, just step outside, mm -hmm. kind of re, you know, arrange your thoughts, yeah, reevaluate re the business. I mean, I think that's that's wonderful because a lot of people really get in that rat race. You know, they yeah. just are working, 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 working. It's easy to do. It's very it's easy, easy to, to do. do. We recently had a, I had to give a speech about our products and mm. having to do that brought me back. Okay. Oh, yeah. This <laughs> is why I do what I do. Right. Because you know, I was, I had to focus on why I'm helping people and, and that I help people and, mm -hmm. you know, in their businesses. And, and it was unbelievable how I had gotten trapped in that just everyday oh, yeah. thing. So yeah, I like the do. way you said that. You just, you could, there's so many different possibilities. So really to take, you know, just take a step back. Yeah. And then, you know, another important thing that, that often gets overlooked is that, you know, you have to ask yourself, what would happen to your business if you, if you were to get hit by a bus tomorrow uh -huh. what what would happen would mm -hmm. anyone know how to pay the bills would mm. anyone know how to who who are the sustain vendors? the business who do, yeah. yeah who do who what would the process be what emergency planning do you have in place and even if it's not an emergency situation what policies and procedures have you taken the time to document and to train people on so that your your business could maintain itself in your absence Mm -hmm. You know, if why are like you said, why why are you doing this? Right. Are you doing it just so you have your own? You created your job for yourself. You know, mm -hmm. Do you right. really want you want to work for yourself, or do you want to mm -hmm. have a business? And there's a big difference. And the business needs to be able to sustain itself without you. But in order for that to happen, you have, have to, to put some things in place. Yeah, right. Have to be in order. And it takes time to do that. You know. Speaking about it's document, uh, is this? I mean, is the day of handshake over? I mean, do you have to write it down, or does it? Can it be an audio? <laughs> How about an audio recording of, you know, uh, a picture of us shaking hands, maybe? And that's what we meant. Or Yeah, well, you know, it, the handshake is so not over. It's so not over. And in practice, that can be a, a, a good thing sometimes, but it, it just it, it blows up too, too often. Gotcha. And it is the, f the first thing that people I, I hear people say when they don't want to follow, want to follow through on an obligation. The first thing they say is, well, 
we, we didn't have anything in writing. In writing. That's, oh, yeah. it's, it's so common. <clears throat> yeah. And and it's true. I mean, you know, the verbal agreements are enforceable. We know that, right? But you prove it. Yeah. Now you have to go through the time, spend the time and the money and the effort improving it when if you had just taken the opportunity to call an attorney mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, if, you know, call even if Tanya. you don't do that, right? <laughs> if you don't do that, just putting something in something writing, in writing that, that at least identifies the, the key key terms and, uh, the, you know, the critical parts of the arrangement. And so you do need both signatures if it's in writing, right? You should have both signatures yeah. okay. if it's <laughs> in writing, uh, unless it's a note. If it's a note, then it's the person who's going to be paying paying gotcha. it back that you need the most, their signature the most. So um, tell me how you get new clients. What what are different sources of referrals for you? Uh, different sources of referrals for me, people who uh, help clients buying and selling businesses. Mm. So I work with uh, franchise advisors. I work with um, people who are M&A advisors. I also, uh, you know, I, I come and talk with people like yourselves uh, on the radio to, to get people to learn more about what we do at Nebo Law. I also uh, attend, you, you've got to get out there and, and talk mm-hmm. to people and find out how you can help people. That's what we as attorneys do. We help people. What mm-hmm. problem can we solve is, mm-hmm. is what we should be. That's typically what we think, right? When, yeah. we're, when we're trying to uh, find people to work with. So uh, th- those are my key people, our, our, our business advisors, M&A advisors, franchise advisors, People who have clients who uh, maybe want to sell a commercial property or buy a commercial property where mm-hmm. they can, you know, to place their business somewhere. And since, um, you know, I do a lot of lease work as well, uh, people who are want to place their shop or their store somewhere and need someone to review or, or to negotiate the lease for them. I think we have a um, synergy. I think I could easily work with you because obviously that's something that we're in is in the real estate world um commercial real estate mm-hmm. world so we definitely need to get together we should <laughs> i like it together so. there you go <laughs> so all those people that are looking to reach you how would they do that well there are mm-hmm. a few ways uh one is off telephone feel free to call the office the number is 404-635-6326 uh Again, 404-635-6326. Uh, email, contact at nebolaw.com. And that's spelled N as in Nancy, E, B as in boy, O, L, A, W, dot com. And then we're also on social media. Uh, Twitter is at nebolaw. I think Instagram. No, you don't want, don't, not Instagram. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's go with, uh, <laughs> let's just go with Twitter. Uh, at nebolaw. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Just me mm-hmm. individually, uh, Tanya Nebo yeah. on LinkedIn. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll have to get some social media tip from, <laughs> from, Desmond. from Desmond. Desmond over there. I'll, I'll help you out. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. I really have. Absolutely. And again, you're listening to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio. I am your host, Emily Rowell, with Peachtree Offices. And last, we save the best for last. Again. again. There we go again. <laughs> Thank you for the powerful introduction. <laughs> now you got to live up to it. <laughs> we have David May here with us. Good morning. Good morning. And he grew up in Roswell, Georgia. He is the father of an 18-year-old Charity May and 13-year-old Dalton May. He has served as a foster parent and would welcome the opportunity to do so again. After graduating from Kennesaw State University with a bachelor's degree in political science and also earning certification as a paralegal from North Metro Metro Technical Institute, he attended law school and graduated from St. Thomas University School of Law in Miami, Florida. 
And in, while in law school, he worked as a certified legal intern at the Broward County Public Defender's Office in the 17th Judici Judicial District in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where he tried his first cases. He also worked in a fast-paced personal injury firm in Miami before graduating from law school. And then once he did that, he gained admission to the Florida Bar. And then he relocated to the, <coughs> returned to the Atlanta area. He has been licensed to practice law in Georgia and has specialized in workers' comp and personal injury cases since 2003. After working for a small metro Atlanta area workers' compensation and personal injury firm, he began running his own practice in 2006. So, wow. Yep. A lot wow. going on <laughs> yeah. to get well, us up well, to this point. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I remember trying that first case uh, in the uh, Broward County Public Defender's Office. Obviously, that was a, a criminal case, and that's what I had wanted to do when I originally went to law school. And uh, as a certified legal intern, I had not even taken a course in evidence before I tried the uh, my first case in uh, juvenile court due to a miscommunication between the public defender's office and mm. the uh, school. So that was a real interesting uh, uh, experience. So now when I go to try cases, which are basically administrative hearings in uh, workers' comp setting, I was like, well, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen, right? Have to try a case without knowing evidence. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. I'm good. <laughs> You've got it all together. <laughs> so tell me, we, we have talked about workers' comp on this show before. Tell me, what do, how do I know if I have a claim? And I, Go ahead. Well, let me first start off by saying I do find it interesting being a workers' compensation attorney that I am on the pro-business channel now, as we are not always thought of uh, as pro-business. But that said, I myself am very interested in business, read a lot of literature, since I am a business owner on uh, how to run a business, and I do recognize that it is a significant cost for mm. uh, certain types of uh, businesses, and I'm not uh, insensitive to that. Mm. Now, to answer your uh, your your question there, how do I know when I have a workers' compensation claim? It's a little more complicated than a lot of people think, and ordinarily people think of a workers' compensation claim as, well, you know, I had an industrial accident at work and you know, got my finger cut off or what have you, but uh, uh, what is defined as a uh, workers' compensation accident under mm -hmm. Georgia law is actually uh, far more broad than that, but you have to have an injury or condition that arises out of uh, and is in the course of employment, all right? Arising okay. out of, I mean, it was caused by the employment, in the course of meaning, you know, your time and location primarily related to the uh, employment. You were in a place where you were reasonably expected to be found doing what you were reasonably expected to be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you <laughs> get a lot. Term. Sounds long term. <laughs> you actually get a fair amount of, uh, I would call it a quasi litigation and administrative hearings over that. Uh, very, uh, that very issue there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then you can have uh, uh, all, all sorts of different types of injuries, such as uh, even heart attacks and strokes can be covered in the context of a uh, workers' wow. compensation claim. And even children who may not be legally employed, minors and uh undocumented uh, workers not legally able 
to uh, work in the country uh, can have valid, legitimate workers' compensation claims, and that is because what an employee is or is defined as under Georgia law is it's a very broad uh, definition. Mm-hmm. Now there are certain. So it's limi- up to you to learn all the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or have an attorney who knows it. Yeah, no, I meant up to David. Oh, him, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. It is a know little all the ins and outs. It is, workers' comp is a little bit more difficult than complicated than a lot of lawyers uh, realize. There are some personal injury lawyers that will try to dabble some in mm-hmm. the uh, in workers' comp because they figure, well, it's an injury, right? Yeah. I'm an injury lawyer. Let me handle that. But it is a totally different animal than personal injury it where it has its own code and own set of rules and it is essentially mm-hmm. its own universe and how a workers' compensation claim proceeds is actually in a much different manner than a uh, personal injury claim sure. yeah. proceeds. And there's limits to benefits. There are. Right. Uh, all you can recover in a uh, workers' compensation claim, all you're entitled to because it is simply an insurance benefits system, although, you know, people tend to think of it as, like, I'm suing my employer. The lottery. Yeah. That, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I, that's, I actually disagree. I, I actually disagree because it is not much of a lottery, actually. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and frankly, if you... If that's the misconception is what I'm it, saying. It really yeah. is. And if you're a higher wage earner, you're really, you might find the benefit rate you're getting is less than half of your wages, mm-hmm. and it's not mm-hmm. real fun to be out in... Uh, uh, and on uh, and on benefits, but yeah. right? That would be hap- that w- there would have to be another suit outside of the workman. Com- I mean, is it is it that if you have a workman's compensation uh, dispute or um, deal, might I say, um, if it was negligence on the employer's part, is there another like a civil suit that you'd have to do? You know. Uh, to, to get what you think you're deserving outside of your... Generally, the answer is no. Wow. If you have suffered a physical injury uh, rising out of and in the course of your employment, your exclusive remedy under the law is workers' compensation, and you have no negligence claim against your employer, no matter if they were grossly negligent. And that is really the trade-off for having a workers' compensation system that was originally developed earlier in the uh, 20th century. Uh, It was to get workers uh, medical benefits Mm -hmm. and promptly, rather than having to go through protracted litigation where you may never get anything in in the way of damages because it was very hard to sue your employer back mm-hmm. in the early uh, 20th century. Most of those cases got dismissed. Mm. And uh, so, you know, the progressive movement, uh, which Teddy Roosevelt was a part of, uh, you know, they pushed for this uh, uh, worker workers' compensation that was then adopted in various states, along with child labor laws and other uh, laws in the area of uh, industrial relations. But, yeah, all you get in a workers' compensation claim, if you're hurt in the course of your employment against your employer. Now, if you have a third party that's negligent, that's a different story. Gotcha. Uh, that's in other words, that someone that's not your employer. Yeah. That's that right. Way. That's mm-hmm. right. You uh, and we get a lot of those in my office, by the way, because my partner handles all the personal injuries, so that would 
what makes it good to have us represent you sometimes. But anyway, all you're going to get in a worker's compensation claim. You're going to get any medical benefits you're entitled to under the law, and sometimes you really got to fight for those. Uh, And you're going to be entitled to, if you're out of work, well, what they call, it is a wage replacement system. It doesn't replace all your wages, but they call it disability income benefits. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as indemnity benefits. Mm -hmm. And there are three types, temporary total disability benefits. That means you're completely out of work because your employer, maybe you got work restrictions as a result of your work accident, and uh, your employer cannot offer you uh, suitable employment, in other words, work that you're physically able to do at that time. Uh, that'll be temporary total disability, uh, temporary partial disability, meaning you uh, actually return to work, but perhaps you have work restrictions and you're earning a reduced wage uh, at, on your return because maybe you're working fewer hours or the mm-hmm. light duty position your employer puts you in doesn't pay as much, and you can be entitled to something called temporary partial disability benefits. Those are a real joy to calculate sometimes. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, you can also be entitled to something called permanent partial disability benefits. And those benefits are not contingent on being out of work or losing wages. It is you've been injured and you have lost some functionality in your uh, uh, in your body uh, due to the uh, injury, and there's a formula that uh, uh, physicians will try to apply. I don't know how well all of them really understand that formula, frankly, but uh, uh, nevertheless, they uh, they come up with an impairment rating, a permanent impairment rating based on your loss of, of function, range of motion, things like that, and. Uh, uh, they assess it, and you're just paid that automatically. But, you know, the pay, I mean, gosh, in Georgia, I mean, I, I, the, 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 it's based on a schedule of weeks as far as the, the, the PPD payment that you may uh, receive for loss of a body part or loss of function. But I will tell you, it doesn't – you lose a hand or an eye – You'd much it rather have your hand or eye than than yeah. the the fairly <laughs> small amount of uh, wow. Uh, he knows his stuff. PPD <laughs> that you're he knows going his to stuff, uh, receive. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, um, I had a, a relative that was actually working, and it was a longer term that she had gotten injured. So she had to. It had stairs in the. If she worked in a store, and there were stairs in the store. And every day, the the, ca- the cashier, sorry, the the cash the checkout. There you go. Desk. <laughs> I can't think right now. Um, was right on top of the stairs. So then she'd have to turn around and go down the stairs, and then back up the stairs to check people out. And hmm. she did that literally all day long for her job full time. She have Fitbit. She no, <laughs> she needed one. Need to get her steps in. Right? <laughs> but from turning and you know going down the stairs, she. She started injuring her back, like her wow. back start over time. Mm. So it was a longer. Now I know people, you know, like if you're on a construction site or something, you lose your finger or, or whatnot. It's an instant. But do you have a case if it's like that, like if it's an overtime thing? Yes, and in fact, I've had many cases like that. That is actually a fairly uh, common type of injury. They mm-hmm. call them gradual onset injuries or cumulative trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, those can sometimes be the most difficult because I find that employers... Yes, and employers don't 
like those. And a lot of times people themselves, the, the worker, they're like, well, I wasn't in what you traditionally think of as an accident. Mm-hmm. So uh, what, uh, what do I do? When should I report this? But yes, the, the workers' comp laws cover uh, gradual onset injuries. And, and a lot of times we use the accident date as the date the injured worker, due to that gradual worsening of their condition, was no longer able to continue on in their job. We use mm. that. Uh, we we use a date. She's co- in too much pain. Right, right. And then just notice, I guess, every time she turned to go down the stairs, it hurt. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, the one thing about workers' comp, too, is somebody in that condition, they may have some pre-existing degeneration or arthritis Mm -hmm. or other things going on in their life that could also contribute to the pain. Maybe they have small children they have to carry, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. uh, something like that. But if the employment merely contributes to the aggravation of an underlying condition, that is supposed to be regarded as an accident, a Mm. covered accident under Mm -hmm. the state's workers' compensation laws. So at that point, when should she hire an attorney? Well, I would hire an attorney if uh, uh, my employer was denying me medical benefits. And when I say employer, I speak of their workers' comp insurers synonymously. Uh, but uh, Or I was out of work and the employer and its insurer were not commencing disability benefits. And I will tell you, medical care is denied much more than I would like to see out Mm -hmm. there, even though that does bring me cases. Uh, People, when they can't get an efficient delivery of medical services, and after all, that's what workers' compensation was designed for, For. Mm -hmm. primarily. Uh, It really is disruptive in their lives and their Recovery, and unfortunately, for a number of reasons and economic reasons, primarily, I think that are uh, taking place in the uh, workers' compensation system, you do these days see a lot of denials of medical care. Some of them are probably legitimate because it may be a close call as to whether some, you know, uh, some medical. Uh, treatment that's been recommended by an authorized treating physician that's the work comp doctor the insurer Mm -hmm. or employer Mm -hmm. supposed to send you to is you know there may be some questions there but a lot of times it's unreasonable denials Mm -hmm. but you will see it take place anyway and I think one of the reasons why you see that is that workers compensation is a competitive practice area now maybe not as competitive as personal injury is out there but it's still a a competitive practice area with a a lot of uh, attorneys and I think there's a lot of economic pressure on a lot of the attorneys out there and it creates a culture of settlement Mm -hmm. they want to turn cases Mm -hmm. uh, you know and sometimes the the injured workers really want the cases settled too because they don't want to continue Go to have to deal on. with everything yeah. in the workers' compensation system and, and live off of a reduced benefit amount. They would rather settle and, and perhaps – uh, go and, and, and purchase uh, insurance under the Affordable Care Act, uh, commonly known as Obamacare, and uh, uh, 
uh, and then treat their injuries that way, mm -hmm. and they're not regarded as you know under any kind of suspicion or thought of as some kind of malingerer. You know, there's a lot of misperceptions out there as far as you know work uh, work accident victims. I think, which pretty much brings me to my last question for you: If we do a lot of your clients fear that their employer will harass them, or you know fire them? if they make a claim and it like you said in the beginning which was great i've never heard anybody explain this before the way you said it was you're pretty much claiming making a claim against the insurance company but not necessarily against your employer hmm. so that's huge yeah that is that is correct now there's some things that kind of look and feel a lot like litigation if you're in an adversarial situation in other words the employer and insurer are denying medical care or, or disability mm -hmm. benefits, but really it's just an insurance benefits system uh, that's supposed to efficiently cover work injuries in the form of paying for your medical care with no right. co-pays, no deductibles, and uh, mm -hmm. on the part of the injured worker, and, and, and to pay them disability benefits. But what happens is there is this perception uh, out there that you know, and it's both with the injured worker and the employers sometimes, not always, but that you know, I'm suing the, um, uh, the, the employer, employer. Mm -hmm. and uh, truly not. E even if it's an adversarial proceeding, it is an administrative claim that will be uh, handled by the State Board of Workers' Compensation. It is not a civil cause of action, but uh, most cases there's really no need for an adversarial situation if the employer would simply just cover the medical and uh, if somebody genuinely cannot work in a physically demanding uh, job, just pay the disability benefits. Right. And uh, But, uh, you know, because of some of these perceptions out there, uh, there is uh, sometimes some retaliation and even uh, harassment of injured workers. It really depends on the culture of the company mm -hmm. they work for. In most instances, I think larger companies where it's more of a regular cost of doing business, they are uh, probably just a little more inclined to just handle it as a business matter, and there's right. no accusing. And that's when th you know they start to take their business matters personally, which mm. they shouldn't do, right, <laughs> 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 Um But yeah, I, there are, there are. Right. The, I think the protections are 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 somewhat limited, actually, for that type of, of conduct. But if you're terminated because you have a work injury, then you're going to have the right to collect workers' compensation okay. uh, benefits. The problem is there may be some delay because the employer may be denying that they terminated right. you because you were working. And then there's other federal laws such as the American with Disabil Americans with Disability Act, but e that has its limitations. And if you don't have a uh, an injury that arises to what is defined as a disability under the ADA, then you're not going to be covered by that. And, you know, there's time limitations on making filings with the EEOC uh, uh, and those claims. So the protections are somewhat limited. But what I tell people, if you're worried about it, look, that probably means you need an attorney <laughs> even exactly. more to uh, look after, uh, after your rights. But I do understand the reluctance of many injured workers to, to, file, uh, to file. So they these should talk to you? 
They should. And I've seen a lot of people that have come into my office that regret that they ended up not filing the claim because right. what happens if, if you sit on your rights and workers' compensation, your claim uh, may ultimately get uh, barred by a statute of limitations. And there are actually different types of statutes of limitations in under the workers' compensation laws. Wow. So tell me how would the listeners that are have all these questions now answered, which I thought you did a wonderful job, uh, how would they reach you? You can first go to our website. Uh, that's going to be princemay.com. That is the name of the site, not because I am a prince, but rather my law partner. His name is Adam Princenthal, so we shortened it to Prince May. And then, we, as I said earlier, we have uh, offices in LaGrange, which is out in West Georgia, and then uh, North Atlanta in the Sandy Springs area. The number for Sandy Springs, 678 534 one nine eight zero, and if you call into that number, we have one seamless phone system. They can just put you through to the uh, West Georgia office. I am okay. splitting my time between the uh, two offices. Wow! Uh, right now, and we are on social media uh, as well, and uh, you can check us out there: Facebook, Twitter, you name it. All right. All right. Thank awesome. you. Yeah. Thanks, Craig, for your help today. It was my pleasure, and yes. it was great having everybody here. Again, this is Emily Rowell with Peachtree Offices, and you're listening to Atlanta Legal Experts Radio, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Thank you again for joining Emily Rowell and her guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show, and stay tuned for the next episode of Atlanta Legal Experts Radio.